Hello and welcome to the first real episode of the Fantasy Process Report 2018. The first here, here locally in the suburbs of Philadelphia, as evidenced by our Rocky theme music, you've got Matt and Nick, and down in Miami, we've got Jason. How you hey boys guys, doing? what's going on? What's going on, everybody? So, it is currently August 18th. Mm. Which means it's draft season. Yeah. Oh, yes. Regular season's right around the corner. Got two preseason weeks out of the way. Yes. So, figured tonight we would focus on draft advice, draft help, and, and even as far as league managerial stuff goes, how to really handle a draft. Mm. Yeah, and there are a lot of questions that go into it as far as when to even hold the drafts. I know for our league in particular, we always hold it after the preseason games are all already done. Because you know, like, in the four preseason weeks, injuries are going to happen, and it's the worst thing ever to draft in between weeks two and three and have a wide receiver go down with a season-ending injury or something, and all of a sudden your, your fifth-round pick is done before you even get the season going. So, yeah, we always wait until after the preseason is done. But other leagues do it differently as well. Yeah, I think we kind of transitioned into that too. We used to do it where um, we'd start probably with two preseason games left, but even that, you you know, those last two weeks, you get people go down all the time, and the ACL tear is the last thing you want. Well, the big thing is week three in the preseason is when you see the starters the most. Yeah, that's the most chance of having something happen too. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think we do a good job of just avoiding all issues by having it on the last day of preseason or after. I think this year we have it actually after the last preseason game. So We have it after the last preseason game? Yeah, because the last week now they do all the preseason games during like one day. So I think we have it in the night time of that day. So if anybody ah, goes right. down in that day, then uh, yeah, <laughs> you better pay attention. <laughs> and then first regular season game is like September 9th or 10th or something, right? It's earlier than that. When's the Eagles? Come on. September 5th. There you go. Ah, yeah, because it's a Thursday. That's right. Yep, they open up. Man, it's Very excited soon. for that. Banner Seems drop Seems like night. just yesterday we were standing outside in 13-degree uh, weather for six hours in the same spot at the uh, Philadelphia Art Museum. That was totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, we woke up at like 4.45 uh, a.m., drove down there for an hour, walked uh, about a half hour, and Stayed in the same spot for about five or six hours until the parade finally made its way to us. I'm I'm pretty impressed that we were able to meet up too. I was there's a whole lot of people there. There was yeah, there was uh, quite a few. It seemed like the entire eastern seaboard was there uh, for celebrating the parade. Yeah, I'm surprised you guys didn't see me there. <laughs> <laughs> so I would not expect that. For all of you that don't know, we are all from Philadelphia, but I am not an Eagles fan. In fact. I hate the Eagles. Um, That might get me a few haters on here, but I am a New York Giants fan, so don't get that mixed up. Regardless, (laughs) we have a lot to cover tonight. Um, Probably the easiest way to do it. You guys rather start with uh, the more managerial stuff as far as advice on how to handle a draft first, or do you want to start with, uh, with the players themselves? I mean, we're kind of already talking about the managerial stuff. Why don't we keep going yeah, on let's, that? Let's roll with it. So, as far as timing, I think we already started to talk about it. The other thing that that, <laughs> that kills me as far as... I, I 
and commissioner of a second league is just getting everybody to kind of get on the same page and pick a day. It's so hard nowadays to just get everybody together for one day. Not to mention the whole communication part of it, just getting people to respond to text messages. and See, our league, we don't do money in our league. It's solely bragging rights. But if you yeah, do it with is, money... I think, I think it's interesting uh, how we've managed to keep it so competitive over the years, given that we've never once had it for money. I think that's that's, that's the best part of it, though. Is that we do keep it at that level, and it's the bragging rights are so important. They are, yeah. and it's always those weekly matchups too. Like, like I know uh, when you're looking down the schedule, you're like, "Oh man, I have Hungy this week. I got to really make sure I got to put put my best team out there. I, I definitely need to beat Hungy." And it's always the, the weekly <laughs> trash talking leading up to every week. See, I don't usually worry about that matchup. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Hasn't been I too concerning in recent years. <laughs> it is it is resurgence time. It is <laughs> resurgence time. But the biggest thing with drafts, as far as other than picking the day, getting everybody together, is determining the order. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. How, you know, you got to be creative about it. Anybody can just put names in a hat, pick them out of the hat, or just... Tell ESPN to auto assign a draft order prior to start. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's no fun. You gotta be creative. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. we've definitely been quite creative in our ways, and some of them are you might think they're stupid, but hey, it's much better than putting a name in the hat. I, I really think this year probably takes the cake. If either of you want to explain that, <laughs> okay. I this was, was the best, the most complicated for sure. <laughs> it was kind of complicated. <laughs> we ran into a few issues, so we decided to. Um, put our draft order up to a Madden tournament this year. and uh, But not just any Madden. <laughs> Madden from two years ago. It was going to be this year, and then it wasn't, and then it was going to be 2004. <laughs> and then it yeah. was going to be 2008, and then it was from 16. <laughs> See, we ran into some issues because Madden doesn't make it easy anymore to just, you know, create a tournament. So we kind of had to simulate an entire regular season. <laughs> And we were all uh, randomly assigned teams in the league, and we kind of were rooting for our teams throughout the regular season. Best regular season record, got first pick, and then yada, yada, yada from there. I was assigned the Steelers. Um, <laughs> Christian I, I got out to a 10-2 and two start in the season, lost Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> the Steelers dropped four in a row before they signed Christian Hackenberg for the playoffs, who, according to Madden... Led the Steelers to the Super Bowl victory. Yes. Through so. for 400 yards and three touchdowns in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so needless to say, Hungy has Christian Hackenberg to thank for his first pick. No, because oh. they only no, signed him for the, the playoffs. Oh, that's right. They yeah, dropped the last They dropped the last four. We continued I had the to Packers simulate for the regular playoffs. season, and the Packers ended up doing it, and Aaron Rodgers won the MVP with like 4,500 passing yards, like 45 touchdowns, a couple mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. just. Balled so out, the Packers won guys, the regular season title, getting me the number one overall pick. In case you want to know this, Jason is also a Packers fan. I he am roots indeed. for the Eagles, yeah. but he is a Packers fan. It's at, it, at, the, at the moment, it's more of like a 1A, 1B situation, where I think mm. in the past couple years, it's always just been the Packers because they've been in contention more. And then this past year, the Eagles were in contention, so I was just kind of naturally following along with them in the 
the playoff so run. So you sound like a bandwagon. You sound like a fair weather fan. Is what I'm hearing. Uh, I don't I'll like just to pick two that teams way. that win and just root for whichever one's winning. Better. And I, I hate the one A one B because <laughs> yeah. all I can think of is Mikhail Bridges, and it just makes me want to cry. Mm. Yeah, well, we won't even get into I that think for his game. sake, yeah, it's a little upsetting. But I think for the Sixers' sake, it was it was a good situation, a good trade. We are getting so far off fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, um, so draft order is very important. How draft you determine order is it? important. I, I think, what was the one that you did a few years, Jason? Didn't you, like, throw oranges over oh, a house? Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was soft, sophomore year at NC State where I went to school. And the dorm building I lived in was six floors. And on it was kind of like a, a long L-shaped building. Uh, so on one side of it was the parking lot. And then on the other side was this, like, little courtyard area. And so my friend Sam and I were, like, the two strongest throwers because uh, he played a little bit of baseball. I played baseball for Humble a long brag. time. Humble brag. And football, yeah. Uh, so we were the only two that could actually throw an orange over the whole building over to the other side. So what we did was we stole, like, ten oranges from the dining hall that night at dinner, brought them back, and wrote numbers one through ten on every single one of them. And we had a, a person who was with us uh, who wasn't a part of the league who assigned each person in the league a number randomly so that none of us knew, especially not Samurai. And so we took five each over to the parking lot side and threw them over the building with a target of a cup in the courtyard on the other side. And whichever number landed closest to the cup was the first pick and second pick and third and whatever, so on. And there was one that I didn't get over, and it landed up stuck on top of the roof, and that was the 10th pick. I don't remember who that was. <laughs> nice. But that was, Wait. That was the funnest draft order that I've ever done. Wait, Jason, wouldn't they just explode, like, on impact? No, they... you, you throw them over, and it landed in the grass, because the courtyard was, like, a, a grassy area with, uh, like, some bushes and stuff that we would throw football in sometimes. But, yeah, we had a, a cup set up, like, in the middle of the, yeah. <laughs> of the grassy field, and we just, like, threw oranges over the building. Oh, man, did anybody walk by and, like, ask you what the hell you're doing? <laughs> no. Uh, How do you explain that, that, hey, that also, yeah, I'm just determining draft order, you know? <laughs> you don't. It's very, very important. <laughs> and the funnest part, though, was even aside from that, when we would, like, we, we did that all the time, not, not necessarily just for that night of determining the draft order. And it was really fun when, like, you'd have Samurai go over to the other side, throw oranges over, and then our other friends would be on the other side and try and catch them. And I did it one time where, like, where Sam threw it over, and you're standing there, like, looking up at the sky, and all of a sudden you see this orange just, like, launched over the building, and you're trying to track it down and catch it, and it's a lot tougher than you think. So a bunch of college kids made a, a fun game out of this? <laughs> yeah, for, exactly. Nice, nice. I know it's very surprising, college kids being innovative and uh, having fun at the, the dorm building, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. That was, that was definitely an interesting one. Uh, but this year's was, for our league, was really good, too. Like, we did the randomly selected teams, uh, each team was entered into like a franchise regular season and then we just simmed the whole way. We tried to watch some of the games, like some of the pivotal ones, um, pitting two people's teams up against each other, but for whatever reason this version of Madden doesn't let Thanks, you just Madden. watch a game. Yeah, Madden sucks. I feel like they've definitely reduced the number of game modes that you can play with. But... EA oh, for Sports sure. to the game. <laughs> but, but see, that's my thing though, is when we determine the draft order, some people do things where it's the best person to do this or that. I like it to be completely random like you with your oranges, like with our Madden Yeah, tournament. it does have to be random. So that way it, one person doesn't get like a preferential yeah. kind of treatment I mean, of, some, of it. 
some people say, like, let's do the Wonderlick test and who gets the best score in the Wonderlick. And it's just like, ah, I mean, I'm not worried too much about that, but it's just like uh, some people are smarter than other people. So Have it you does taken get them. the Wonderlick yet? Yeah, we all did a few years back. I don't think I did. Did we? Yeah, yeah I, I don't think, think we, we all did. I think we were talking about it. Yeah, well, back in the day, I think we just took it randomly, but. I'll tell you what, loyal listeners. Take the Wonderlick test. Tell us what your scores are. Yeah. <laughs> Highest score gets some form of prize to be determined later. You must beat we'll Frank Gore's score. If you beat Frank Gore, notorious for his low score on the Wonderlick test, you win. <laughs> you don't win. You lose if you don't beat him. Didn't, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick get a perfect score when he took it? Probably. He did. Dude, he went to Harvard, Yeah, though, he did so get a perfect like, score. That was the thing. He got a perfect score on his Wonderlick test. Didn't he get a perfect yeah. SAT, too? I don't know. He, he, he might. I wouldn't surprise guy. me. That's all I know. Ridiculous. Anyway, so you've determined your draft order. You've determined how you're going to do your draft, whether it's going to be. And then and that actually, that's the next top talking point. You know, snake draft, auction draft. We've only ever done snake. We've you never know, straight, with auction. straight standings from the year before. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. There's... You know, we've always done snake draft, but there's there's actually a lot of different ways you can format the draft as well. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like snake is the most fair. And, again, if you do auction, you get people who don't know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And especially with us having new people coming and going all the time, you know, it's tough to kind of ask somebody to know the draft strategy. I wouldn't know what I'm doing with an auction draft. So I've tried a couple mock auction drafts and I just don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the way it's done. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's no way to book, correctly yeah. guess how much a guy is worth and when to stop bidding on someone. Especially if it's early. You have your, your allotment of like, I actually don't even know how much it is. Like, let's say it's 250 bucks and then first guy is like Todd Gurley. Like, you don't know where to stop. Like, is he worth 150? Is he worth 25? Like, I, I have no idea. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more. I would just be that guy that runs people's prices up. <laughs> yeah, and then you yeah, get drops caught, out. and then you get screwed. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what, yeah, and then you're paying 150 that's bucks. What, that's why I don't like auction Your drives. team name would just be whatever. <laughs> if you are able to host the draft and have people physically show up, it's also very important that you bring your league's trophies. First place trophy, and starting this year, we have a last place trophy. Oh, yes. Dame. So, <laughs> I would like to think that our league trophies are some of the best that I've ever seen. Um, They're definitely unique. you guys. You guys are actually the two that got the two, so I'm going to let you two explain the two different trophies and how they well, how we, they were acquired. We kind of explained them in the first episode, uh, the introductory yes, episode. I forgot about that. Um, but yes. Ray Rice goes to the winner. Pitbull goes to the loser. Ray Rice. <laughs> that still just blows my mind. Hey, man. I mean, it was discounted. <laughs> hey, man. I'll tell you what, man. That Ray yeah, Rice, Yeah, the Pitbull, man, uh, I, was, I was trying to hold it up to the microphone earlier, and it wasn't really registering because it's kind of a low volume, but the Pitbull trophy bobblehead, it actually talks. Uh, you can flip a switch on the bottom, and it has a couple catchphrases, and they are just mm-hmm. extremely... Stupidly ridiculous. They're very pitbull. Tell you yeah. what, man. Pitbull's from Miami. <laughs> Tell you what, yes, dolphins and dogs, man. That's pretty crazy. Bulls the real Bulls my mind. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, 
So now that you've got everything said, it brings us to the draft yourself, which really should be the focus of the show, is, is who do you draft and when? I guess for me, it's a lot... I draft a lot based off of position, and since we do a keeper league and I'm keeping a quarterback this year, that's perfect for me because now all I have to worry about the first, like, four rounds is running backs and wide receivers. Do you guys typically go wide receiver first or do you go running back first? I always go running back. Um, I feel like there is such a drop-off between, like, like when you get the first, like maybe 12, 13 running backs in that area, like those are like the bell cow workhorse guys. And then as soon as you get past like maybe the third round, there's just such a drop off where it's guys that are in like a timeshare or guys that maybe have injury issues or gonna, like Mark Ingram is going to miss part of the season or something like that. And so I feel like the, the value of getting a running back is like they're just such a limited number of them, whereas wide receivers, there's twice as many, three times as many, you can get a, a decent good wide receiver later on in the draft and it wouldn't hurt you as much. So I think running back early is always the way to go. Yeah, but if you're in a PPR league, PPR, name of mm-hmm. our show, hey, if you're yeah. in a PPR <laughs> league, you know, the wide receiver just becomes that much more valuable. See, the thing is in a PPR league, the running back who catches the ball is the most valuable. Le'Veon Bell. Without McCafferty. Christian McCaffrey, yeah. David Johnson, maybe. We don't know. We but the thing with, in the year. with PPR, all wide receivers become valuable. So, like, the, the top ones, like Antonio Brown or Julio Jones, like, they're more valuable in PPR. But then even the lower guys, they're also more valuable. So the, the value's jumped up for, for everyone. Yeah, I, I think just like the position scarcity is, is what drives me because there just aren't as many, like, sure thing running backs that you can take and have confidence in and, and know that they're going to be there. Like, I know a few years ago when it was the Falcons, um, when Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman were both coming in, and, and there was this battle, like, right around now, like maybe three or four years ago, where no one knew who the starter was. So both of them were going really, really late in the draft, and then Devonta Freeman blew up and ended up with the, the number one fantasy mm-hmm. scoring season. But I feel like those situations, you just you have no idea because there's no certainty. So I think there's only, like, maybe a dozen actual, like, guaranteed this guy is going to get – 200 rushes or whatever the number is this season, and, and you can count on that. See, I feel like it, it kind of changes from year to year in terms of, like, running backs being more valuable than wide receivers. Um, I'd say in the past, like, two or three years, there's definitely been a lot fewer, like, top ten running back material. Oh, yeah. Um, but mm. this year I feel like there's a lot. I feel like there are in the top 15, probably ten of them are running backs or something like close to that, but... Well, that's everybody picked There's up a lot of running backs by committee, you know, theory or 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 that's kind of how they formatted their offense. All of a sudden, the feature running back was just gone. Yeah, but you, you can still see it in a few places, and those are the ones where they have fantasy relevance. Are the places where there is one feature back? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes and no. I mean, one of the one of the top backs right now is is Alvin Kamara, and the Saints ran a committee. Yeah, but that was like a crazy thing. I feel like how the yeah, Saints did that. Yeah, I think that's a special that. circumstance. I feel like the Saints kind of they they showed up with a new type of game plan. Having two feature backs is what they really had. Well, really, they tried to have three with Adrian Peterson too. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we said how that one ended up. That was a rough draft call on my part last year. 
<laughs> what you take him in like the, the the fifth round or something like that, it Jason? It was something something crazy like that. I also <laughs> coupled with the fact that I took Eddie Lacy in like the fourth, which is, it just did not work Ooh, out well at all for me. No. Yeah, yeah, it was it was less than ideal. <laughs> oh God! Yep. Draft <laughs> yeah, I think a good I, team. I banked on. I I think I banked on the free agent signing with that because you have to imagine like with with Adrian Peterson and Eddie Lacy, they were both going to new teams, and you think like, oh well. The Seahawks signed Eddie Lacy. They have to have faith in him. They have to want him and give him touches as a starter. But that's just not the case in the NFL. I think you have guys that get signed as free agents is just risky because I think with the NFL more than other sports, just because a guy got paid doesn't mean they're going to get all the touches because none of these contracts are fully guaranteed. So if a guy doesn't perform, they can just cut him. Uh, it's not like, before you finish that sentence, tell well, that to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's breaking the mold here. And then there's Aaron Rodgers going out and trying to demand like a – which I think he's going to get, to be honest. He's demanding uh, what do you like mean a, demand? a profit he's, share. He's owed, like, yeah, shares of the Packers' ownership. That yeah, man, like... which is – it's great. That's like revolutionary. Like no sport has had anything close to that. And he's out here changing the game, and he's probably going to get it. Which I I don't blame him or the Packers at all. I mean, he deserves it. What do you think? How many years? What? How old is he, Jason? He's you know around he like is? 34, 35, I think. Which, so but, he's probably only getting one more big contract. Yeah, I mean, this is probably his last one. So that's why I think he wants to make it count, and he wants to make it a big one. How many years do you think they'll give him? Four I would years, say five years. Four or five, yeah. Because even if, like, when Brett Favre was getting older, they took Aaron Rodgers in the first round, and knowing he wouldn't start for another two years, which I think they might do again when Aaron Rodgers gets to, like, 37, 38 or something like that, they'll draft a quarterback, let him sit behind Rodgers and learn for a year or two maybe if that's what it takes, and then when Rodgers' contract runs out, then that's that, that's it or whatever. Or then he comes on as a coach or something. But I think he'll get, like, four or five years to close out his career, and then, then he'll be good to go. See, the Packers are always a team that is very interesting to me in fantasy perspective because, mm-hmm. let's see, Aaron Rodgers, you got the number one quarterback, and he obviously he's going to have a good season with Devontae Adams. But, oh, yeah. like, who else is going to be accumulating yards and touchdowns for them? So I mean, right the, now, their running backs are have, just like they're question marks, all of them. Yeah, they have three running backs right now. It's Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Ty Montgomery. And Aaron Jones is suspended for the first two or four weeks. I can't remember which. So Jamal Williams will be yeah. So Jamal Williams will be the starter for that first chunk of the season. But then, it, what it's looking like based on the preseason games, Ty Montgomery is also just going to kind of be there. So it'll be like a like a sixty forty split with Montgomery getting a lot of the passes. But I think as I don't know, I honestly can't understand why so many people are down on Jimmy Graham because. He's still like What's a dominant. What's he gonna throw it to? Yeah, like he's still a dominant athlete, and even if he's like not the greatest like football mind or whatever the criticisms people have for him, like he's still an amazing red zone target. And we already saw it in the preseason game the other night. Like they're in the red zone, they're at the six yard line or whatever, and they just like find Jimmy Graham. So he'll probably get double digit touchdowns. Devontae Adams will get maybe a hundred catches, sixteen hundred yards if if it, everything works out, and maybe like eight to. 11 touchdowns or something like that and then it looks like Geronimo Allison might be the number two and then Randall Cobb will be lining up in the slot but Geronimo Allison's number two not yeah, Cobb that's what it's, well, you think like fan, from a fantasy perspective do you think yeah, Geronimo yeah. Allison will be number two no I think Randall Cobb will be the number two but based yeah, on positioning too. on the field it would be Randall Cobb in the slot and then Geronimo Allison on the outside on the opposite side of Devontae Adams but I think we've seen like Rodgers last year 
the wide receiver is the only one who really had a great year was Devontae Adams because Rodgers yeah. was out the whole time. But in mm-hmm. the past, I mean, two years ago when Rodgers – or three years ago, whenever Rodgers won the MVP, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb both finished in the top six in wide receiver scoring. Like, both of them had amazing fantasy seasons. So he is – he's one of those rare guys who can support multiple different options in fantasy relevance. But I don't think this year you're going to have another Green Bay receiver who – is up to Jordy Nelson's standards when he was in Green Bay, at least. No. Yeah, I think you're losing that. But you, you're getting, like, the, the red zone targets with Jimmy Graham, and then you're going to have other guys step up here and there, and the running back the committee, Jimmy, I think. The I think Jimmy Graham thing's interesting. The, the reason I'm pointing that out, you know, up for the last couple years, you know, people would take Rob Gronkowski in the first or second round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey would also probably sneak into the back end of the second, early third. Yeah. Jimmy Graham drops to somewhere like a fourth or fifth round pick. Is Jimmy Graham back up in that second, third round pick range now that he's on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers? See, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't... See, name Aaron Rodgers' tight ends the past five years. Who's he throw... What tight ends does he throw the ball to? We threw it to Richard Rodgers for that that Hail Mary. That was one play. Richard Rodgers is now a Philadelphia Eagle. I mean, all the, all the different have they've Jared had Cook? have been, yeah, they've been like free agent, like random scrap heap acquisitions of like Jared Cook, or now they have Lance Kendricks. Um, they had my, uh, Martellus Bennett last year. I mean, none of them have really worked out. I think the last tight end that really was fantasy relevant was Jermichael Finley. And even then he had kind Jermichael of drop. Jermichael Finley. And, and he had oh. some fumble issues, he had some drop yeah. issues, but they haven't really had a reliable tight end like this, which is, I mean, I look at rankings and I'm listening to other fantasy football podcasts and stuff, and everyone is down on Jimmy Graham, and I cannot understand why. I wouldn't say I'm down on him, but I don't know if he's going to have as good of a season this year as he did with Russell Wilson as his well, quarterback. You know, I see, I disagree with that. Russell Wilson, for the first two years that he had him, had no idea how to use Jimmy Graham. Oh, it yeah. wasn't until last year that he really started to figure out how to use him. And I think Drew Brees, where Jimmy Graham had his best years, Drew Brees is more of an Aaron Rodgers-type quarterback. I think Russell is... Yeah, Russell's just a different style of quarterback where maybe that offense didn't use the tight end as much or maybe Russell just himself didn't use the tight end as much. I mean, you know, Tony Romo used the tight end all the damn time. Jason Witten was his best friend. But some quarterbacks just don't rely on that safety blanket. Like when things are breaking down, Russell would just run, whereas a lot of quarterbacks would give it to Jimmy Graham. Like, I think that's what Drew Brees did. When things were breaking down, he would look for Jimmy Graham. And Russell just didn't do that. So I think Rodgers is more of a Brees-type passer. Problem. I mean, better, but he's more of along that style. I really think if Jimmy Graham's available in the third round, he's a steal there. A steal? I do. A steal? Yeah, I think he's in that tier of right. Travis Kelsey <laughs> and Zach Ertz. And Ertz is going to be a lot higher this year, too. Yeah, he is. Especially in our league, you're going to have some homers who are going to take him away before they should. Even regardless of that, Ertz is going to, I mean, if you're just looking across the board at tight ends, there's only a couple that really stand out. You know, Gronk, mm-hmm. Kelsey, Ertz, Graham, Greg Olson. That's yeah, maybe really Delaney about Walker. it. I mean, there aren't many I don't even sure think things. I'd say Delaney Walker. I think Delaney Walker's hot and cold. Yeah, he, I mean, he's kind of just steady. Like, I always call Greg Olson old reliable because he's just... He's always there, and he always gets to like eight or thirteen points or something like that. And I think uh, Delaney Walker is in that range as well, where he doesn't ever get like a 
a, a goose egg. He doesn't ever really get like a three-point showing, but he never gets like a 20-point showing either. He's always yeah. in that kind of <clears throat> 7 to 13-point-a-week kind of range. But Which honestly, is, if you get that out of your tight, tight end, end. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all enough. you need out of your tight end. Mm-hmm. The tight end position, it, I like to put it as uh, one of those like airboats. You know what I'm talking about? Like uh, where it's you see it in, in movies about like the swamp in the bayou or something, where it's got the big fan on the back yeah, and it's like yeah. cruising along. It's like you don't need it to fly; you just need it to not sink. Like it's one <laughs> of those. The tight end position is like that, I think. Yeah, I think it's similar to the quarterback position, and you're gonna reach for maybe like I don't know three or four. But then after that, you're gonna just let it, let him drop. Who are the three or four that you're reaching for? Brady, Brady Kelsey. Oh, quarterbacks. Said, yeah, you said quarterbacks. Who are the three or four quarterbacks you're reaching for? Brady Rogers. Brady Rogers. Are you reaching for Brees? I wouldn't reach for him, but I would draft him earlier than I would if I was drafting like, uh, like a, a Deshaun Watson or would something like that. Would you reach for Wentz? I think Russ is. Again, in that I wouldn't range. reach. I wouldn't reach. I wouldn't reach for quarterbacks. Russ is in that range because Russ gets yardage on the ground. So does Cam. Yeah, and he's like well, the only option in that offense, too. It's him and Doug Baldwin and no one else. So Russ mm-hmm. will have to shoulder the load this year. So I think the only three quarterbacks that you're really going to take before, like, the fifth round is, like, Rodgers, Brady, and Russell. And then, like, right after that comes Deshaun Watson because I know a lot of people are high on him, and then – Maybe Carson Wentz, and then Cam Newton, because Cam Newton gets a bunch of rushing touchdowns. I'll tell you what, I uh, I will only draft two Eagles players this year. There's only two that I will draft if the cards play right. I'll draft Carson Wentz or Zach Ertz. Those would be the only two Eagles players I would draft this year. See, I... I... But that's as a biased fan. Yeah. Usually I wouldn't draft any Cowboys or any Eagles players. See, you're missing a huge I'm staying away pick. from all Cowboys this year. I mean, you're with the first pick in our draft, I'm not taking Zeke there, so. But I'm staying away from all Cowboys. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't bring myself to refer a Cowboy. Nick, you're missing a massive PPR sleeper pick in Darren Sproles. A mm. massive sleeper pick in Darren Sproles. Are you going to. Does anybody start him as a flex? In week one, I would consider it, and I and the only reason is unless somebody he gets turns injured, no. screen passes into absolute nightmares for the defense. So you're getting passing yardage, you're getting the point per reception. How many screen passes have we seen take for forty yard touchdowns? Yeah, but the thing is, I'm not sure the volume will be there. I mean, he's That's coming in off of an ACL complete. I mean, on that one play, he absolutely destroyed his knee and broke his elbow or his arm in the same play. Not and the Eagles are moving to running back by committee. Yeah, you he's coming in and any... having to compete with Jay Ajayi and Corey Clement and yeah. maybe Wendell Smallwood and Josh not Adams. Like he's... But he's not getting carries. He's going to catch passes. Yeah, but still, you can't rely on yeah, somebody sure catching he's gonna... three passes. He's not competing with Corey Clement and he's not competing with Jay Ajayi because they're going to be the running backs. Darren Sproles is an extra wide receiver out of the backfield. You're going to get him on third down plays. Right. Yeah, it. I think his. You're his not going to see him other than Look at the Eagles' third down conversion rate last year, and it's all pass plays. Mm. Well, I just don't think he's he's reliable for fantasy. He, he'd be great. He's such a great like, fantasy think, player for a PPR eh, league. Not in, not in our ten team leagues. Maybe in like a, yeah, maybe a, a twelve one. team league, but no, I think you guys that. are going to be eating your words by week three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it, especially week one. Like, let's say I draft him in the, the 14th or 15th round or whatever. Week one, I'm not going to start him because you just have no idea what's going to happen. I think if, if he starts, 
if, if it's looking like, all right, first down, Ajayi's out there, second down, Clement's out there, or, or some combination of that, and then he gets the third down, if it looks like they're looking his direction a lot and he's getting a large percentage of that, like I think he just has to capitalize on whatever amount of time he is on the field because he can't do anything if he's not there on first down. So I think it just depends on, on how much they actually look his way when he is on the field because he's not going to be on the field 80% of the time or whatever like some of these other running backs. Are they going to be using him in special teams this year? That's a good question. I mean, who would, Do you know Matt, who would the kicker yes. punt returner be? It's not only the fact that he's been running with punt return teams. They've put him in as the kick returner in practice recently. You don't sound excited about that. I don't know that I like that. I, I mean, I like it, but I don't. I don't want the kid to get hurt. I mean, one more injury and he's retired. Right, and people get hurt on kick returns. Yeah. Like, It's not like a punt return where if you get hurt, it's because... What is it? DeShazer Everett absolutely cheap shot at you. <laughs> yes, I'm still mad. Um, <laughs> not bitter or anything. Not bitter at all. Um, but no, I, I don't know. As far as kick returns go, I don't know who else they'd put back there, but apparently he's been running kick return. But either way. My point is that gives him value if he's a punt returner. It gives I don't him know value. about kick returning. No, but, but, but you don't get the individual points on that, do you? Yeah, if they, re- oh, if they take it for a touchdown. If they take it for a touchdown, you, you get, get the, the six points. The for six it. points, but you don't get the yards. Right. But still, I mean, that's that's it why some his, people it like his value. Some players is because they're their team's punt returner, and they can get those extra six points just not even being on the field for the offensive drive. True. But again, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think he's brittle at this point in his career. He's got to be like what forty almost. <laughs> At least. <laughs> Almost. I mean, I round, but damn. <laughs> we are 35 minutes into the show. We uh, we, we should probably, like, kind of focus on a position. I mean, we focused on the Packers and the Eagles so far. Right. we kind of been mm-hmm. we kind of been kind of floating around. Do you guys want to talk about my team? <laughs> nope. I, I noticed how you guys never mentioned my tight end well, honestly, when you were talking about tight ends. No, but, all right, because I don't think he's there yet. What do you mean? He was there last year. Evan Ingram we're talking about, Evan by the Ingram. way. Yes. I don't I don't think that he's in that third, fourth round pick yet. I think he's five and beyond. Yeah, I think he's a little bit lower this year, to be honest. Where would you because... rank him among tight ends? Where would you rank Evan Ingram? Among tight ends. That ten to fifteen range, maybe ten to fifteen. No, I I put him I put Get him out, seven yeah. to ten. Seven to ten. Because I think okay. so. Hear I me out. I, I think he'll be, okay be a little bit lower this year than he was last year because last year he was the only guy. Like last year, they had Odell, they had Brandon Marshall, they had Sterling Shepard. All three of them got injured at one point, so it was only Evan Ingram receiving targets. Or Shepard, that's what I, Yeah, so it was only Evan Ingram receiving targets. This year, they add Saquon, who will eat up a ton of carries, and he'll but get some But some might targets. argue that well, that's an advantage. And then, advantage. And I mean, then they'll gonna... get... But then the, the Odell will come back, and he'll demand 130 targets this year, and then Sterling Shepard will demand some, some targets this year. So I think Evan Ingram is talented, and he can do it. He's just not going to get the volume that he did last year, because last year he was the only option. Well, you brought up, you brought up a really good point in the fact that you know, even though all the weapons are coming back, Saquon is available. Yeah. Where do He's you draft Saquon? Deal. Oh, man, I don't even know. Where a, do you draft him? I, I feel like I just keep thinking about Ezekiel Elliott and his yeah, rookie season. He's, when he's I in think that Zeke range from his rookie year. Uh, you're taking a huge risk it taking him in risk. the first round. 
Luckily, I don't think I, I don't know if Eric Flowers is Eric going to be starting this year. So <laughs> I think um, we we've got a much better offensive line. To, to we took somebody from New England. Who'd you get from New England? Uh, I forget his name. I don't know offensive line <laughs> names. They're not fantasy players. So <laughs> I think for Saquon's to... for Saquon's sake, there is something to be said for getting 350 touches guaranteed, pretty much. Outside of an injury, he is that guy he's going to be getting 80 percent of the carries this year so he'll be getting like 25 maybe 30 sometimes a game which will translate into points i mean even if the offensive line isn't the greatest like he's talented enough that he can turn a maybe a one yard gain into a three yard gain or he can turn a one yard loss into a 45 yard touchdown like he can do any of that so i think that combination of the skill and maybe even having Odell on the outside, too, drawing away a safety will help him have a little bit more room. And I don't think teams will be stacking the box because, I mean, the tight end is pretty talented. The wide receivers are talented. So I think he'll have good opportunities to get to make the most out of his touches. Like, he'll get the 350 touches guaranteed, but he'll make the most out of it because I think they're in a good spot. And I think Pat Shermer coming in as the, the new coach will use him pretty well like he did with Dalvin Cook last year. See, that's the wild card right there. You just named it Pat Shermer because yeah. he's going to be making things a little bit different because I was worried because the Giants have usually been very one-dimensional with their running backs in the past. They mm-hmm. don't pass it to them. And if they do ever run that screenplay, Eli's not the best at that. He's no. not the best screenplay. Eli's not the best at anything. That's he's, true. He's, he's, Eli's the best at being the second best Manning brother. Yeah, but he has two rings, so... I love that He's headline that I saw last year when Eli They were what? They oh, were, get out of here. Don't even. Don't even. <laughs> and some, some headline Pons. was like, like, oh, when Eli getting his starting job back, will he go back to his elite self? And I'm thinking like, oh, He's my never been God. Elite. Yeah, I don't know. I never, I never really called him elite. But yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember back in the day there were those Citizen Echo Drive commercials? Oh, dude, those are my favorite. Unstoppable. <laughs> He's unstoppable. Eli Manning is. He's unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Unstoppable! That piece of bubble gum stuck to the helmet of David Tyree. <laughs> no, that is stoppable. It stopped the ball from going further. <laughs> but regardless, you know what? What can we really expect out of Saquon? I mean, you take him in the first round, right? There are there are many rookies who are you know first round picks year to year. There's just not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're looking at one of, you know, the absolute best players coming out of college right now. And, you know, I watched most of the games being a Penn State football fan. Oh, yeah. But it's one of those things. Is he going to translate to the pro level? I mean, you look at some of these running backs that were absolute monsters in college. Like like Trent Richardson really comes to mind. Absolute monster just did not transition to the pro level. Well, he did his rookie year. But then after that, people figured him out. But I think for for Saquon, the best comparison, honestly, is Dalvin Cook because it's the same coach. Like, Pat Shermer used him in Minnesota last year as a rookie running back, and he was awesome for the first five or four however many weeks before he got injured. But I think you're you're basically looking at a better, more talented Dalvin Cook with the same coach, same, you know, playing style, opportunities, whatever. And, And I think the offenses are similar, too, where you had a pretty good quarterback over there uh, to start out the year, at least. Um, then Minnesota ended up transitioning to Case Keenum at the end. But similar quarterback, I think, and then similar wide receiving core where you have Stefan Diggs, you had Adam Thielen, you had Kyle Rudolphs. You have 
around, I would say, the same aggregate talent level. Obviously, Odell is better than all thir any of them, but I think the the position, the, the groups are around the same talent level. And you slot Saquon in there, he's just a better version of Dalvin Cook. So I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to have a good year. I would say he's a safe running back as, as far as they go. Nick, is that the ESPN rankings of running backs there? No, this is my ranking. This is your, where do you have... Where do you have Saquon? I have him up there. <laughs> where, where is up there? Where do you have Saquon in running backs? Number one. Um, I have him personally at four. At four? Yes. Who? Who? Or what? Le'Veon, David Johnson, and Zeke above him? No, I didn't put David Johnson. I'm David Johnson kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, he scares so, me a little bit this year. So I Le'Veon, do love David Johnson, Le'Veon, but his Le'Veon, offensive Zeke, line who? is trash. Not Zeke. Gurley. Gurley? Gurley. No. Camara? No. Yep. Really? Yeah. So you've got Le'Veon, Gurley, Camara, Saquon. Let me let me tell you this. I played FanDuel last year with the same group of people every week, and my one friend picked Alvin Kamara every single week, and she won every single week. That man is... He's, he's underrated this year. I don't know why people are putting him that low among running backs. I'm not saying. Especially with Mark Ingram being out the first four weeks. He's going to be getting the full workload there in New Orleans. I'm not saying he's underrated. I, I think ESPN has him at five, and I think that's underrated. I think it's just dangerous to count on a two-running back system like that. I mean, in Carolina a couple years ago when it was Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, there was only one season where both of them had 1,000 yards, and I think that's the last time in a long time that any two running backs on the same season, on the same team have both had 1,000 yards. And the next season, they just didn't even come close. I, I just don't think offenses in general can support the two running backs both being fantasy relevant like that. And they're just different styles, so it's, it's a similar thing. They did where it, though. Mark Ingram is the Jonathan Stewart, and then Alvin Kamara is more of that pass-catching, shifty – Bounce it outside, D'Angelo Williams. But the kind Saints of did it last year. They, they, they did, yeah. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were both top ten running backs last year. Yeah, I just, like I just don't think it year. can happen again because I think teams will start to figure it out. Like I think Kamara really surprised every other team that was game planning, and they just had no idea how to game plan for both of them. But I think moving forward, it'll it'll change because now there's a lot more film on on Kamara, and people will know how to. I think I just think other teams will catch up to it. I don't think two running backs can sustain for a long period of time. Hmm. Well then, we will see. Yeah. We will see indeed. I mean, I, I think Kamara will be a first-round pick, and he'll be productive. I just don't think he's in that top three, top four range. Hmm. Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Among all players, ESPN has Saquon at six. Yeah. Among all players. Yeah. Makes sense. That's non-PPR as well. but See, my thing is, again, that that's with non-PPR, I don't know if the Giants are going to be throwing him the ball quite as much as they should be. But either way, I'm more concerned about all the other rookie running backs. Who are all these guys, and why are they showing up in the mid-tier running backs? Like among like, uh, these other guys. Royce Freeman. Yeah, Royce Freeman. Um, uh, Nick Chubb. Um, you got Ronald Sonny Jones. Michelle. You got Rashad Penny. Ronald Jones. Rashad Sonny Penny. Michelle. Yeah, all yeah. these I guys. A lot of them are getting injured somehow. Like I would have uh, said Darius Geis before he got hurt. Yeah, yeah but like, like Darius Geis and Sonny Michelle is uh, injured as well. Sonny Michelle was supposed to be that lead guy um, taking over. He'll be like Sonny Michelle would have been like the lead guy over there, taking that kind of Legarrette Blunt role. 
and now it's just going to be a combination of like Rex Burkhead and, and whoever else they have. I mean, well, I think, James um, White like, just put on a big performance yesterday or the other day against the Eagles. He's making himself fantasy relevant going into the season again. I mean, he's clearly the receiving running back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many times did he catch the ball? He caught, like, six passes or something like that. I'm just always scared of, like, Patriots running backs because Bill Belichick is such, like, a – you just never know how to game plan for him. Like, do you remember that one week a couple years ago where one of their running backs got injured and Jonas Gray came out on Monday night and had, like, 45 fantasy points. He had, like, 150 yards, three touchdowns, something like that. And then he was late to a practice that week, and you never saw him ever again. Yep. And Mike Gillisley had the same thing last year, where he had like two or three touchdowns on opening night, and everyone was like, oh, Mike Gillisley got to pick him up, or, or whatever. Everyone who drafted him late yep. was like thinking they had a I steal. And then, yeah, and then you had he fumbled once or something, and then you never saw him ever again. So I just, outside of like the Danny Woodhead, like the pass catching kind of running back, I just never know what to think of Patriots running backs. Yeah, it's tough. Like I said, I think Belichick is strategic with that. I think he, mm-hmm. on purpose, kind of like makes a different guy the the feature back each week. Yeah, yeah so the teams I, don't I know how to game plan. I stay well away from New England running backs. It's just not worth it. I think if you can get Sony Michelle in like the later rounds where you're not really reaching for him and like if other people are staying away because he's injured, because he's a Bill Belichick running back, I think there's value in that. If you can get him later on in like maybe the 8th, ninth, or 10th round, and he's out maybe the first week or two with his injury or something like that, and then he bursts on the scene, I think he could he could finish as a top-10 running back. I think if you can get him in those later rounds, then he's worth the risk. I think another team whose running back situation is kind of a question mark is actually the Cleveland Browns. They've oh, yeah. got Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, and Duke Johnson. Um, Duke I think Duke Johnson, Johnson is pretty much be... guaranteed for, like, like, he's in that different role where – He's like the Darren Sproles, where the other two will be duking it out for like the first and second down carries or whatever. And then Duke Johnson, I was listening to another podcast, and they said, like, you can book him for 70 receptions as a running back and then whatever touchdowns or yards or or anything else that comes with that. So I think uh, Duke Johnson is pretty safe for those running backs. But, yeah, between Chubb and, and Carlos Hyde, I just have no idea what to go with with that. Duke Johnson, ESPN has him as the 30th running back. Uh, so you're looking at 80th overall as far as their player rankings. Are you looking at standard or PPR, though? I'm looking at standard. See, he's a PPR guy, though. That's his role. Is he's a PPR guy. Yeah, is his high role. Rod Taylor. Well, Great. Well, I think that's kind of the, the coach's decision is to pass the ball to Duke Johnson more than their quarterbacks. At least in the, their situation. Right, I'm just saying he doesn't really have much of a quarterback throwing to him, whether it's Tyrod or Baker Mayfield in his rookie year, which we don't even know who it's going to be. Yet. I gonna, well, I think it's pretty safe to say Tyrod will be their week one starter, um, but I think they're going to kind of have him on a short leash. So if he shows any signs of... Because, I mean, they took Baker one overall. So everybody obviously wants to see Baker in. All the Cleveland fans want to see Baker play. Well, the NFL fans really want to see Baker play. I would love to see Baker play. It's worked play. out great for Cleveland in the past. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They've had a lot of success with that. I don't know. I think, um, see, I was always a big fan of Tyrod. I don't think he's ever been top tier at all. But Do you draft Tyrod at all? Yeah, I think his running gives you it, something. 
I think he's a he's a good backup quarterback to have. Well, where I, I, if I you draft the someone wide receiver like, core, you, you you gotta consider it. He's got the one of the yeah. top receiving cores in the league this year. So you got to think about a Browns uh, quarterback. Josh Gordon hasn't played in three years. I don't care what people say about him. You can't call him the best wide receiver core in the league because of Jarvis Landry and uh, uh, what is it, Corey uh, Corey Coleman? Corey Coleman. That's it. No, he got traded to Buffalo. Did he? Yeah, they traded. Okay. They don't so have Coleman, the best wide receiver core in the was, league. They'll have Dez in like. A they are not going to have Dez. Dez left the building without a contract. <laughs> yeah, but he'll, he'll go back. Dev is going to want so much more than they're willing to give him. Well, he wants more than anybody's willing to give him. Right. He's not going to yeah. sign with him. I think he's going to uh, sign a one-year deal for less than he wants and kind of hope that he I, earns I just, the money I next year. I hate him so much. <laughs> yeah, he's a punk. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> no, I think, I think Tyrod, as a, as a fantasy quarterback, is relevant. If you take him in like the 16th round or 15th rounder, not including your defense or kicker, I think he is relevant if you take him with one of your last picks, only if you pair him with like Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson, who are coming off injuries and you don't know if they'll be ready to go week one. So I think if you take Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, then you need a guy like Tyrod to step in for week one, two, three, whatever, how long it is until Wentz or Watson is back. I think that's one of the scenarios where you take him and play him right away. But if he starts balling out, like, I mean, they do have a really good receiving core. If Josh Gordon puts it together again and is anything close to what he was before, if Jarvis Landry gets eight catches a game and 12 targets a game or whatever and, and works out of the slot like that, I've heard amazing things about their tight end, David Njoku. I mean, he's looked amazing in the preseason. And, I mean, he had, like, two touchdowns the other night on some amazing catches. So everyone is raving about David Njoku as a tight end. And then you got Duke Johnson catching passes out of the backfield. I think that offense is looking kind of sneaky. Yeah, see, I don't know. I feel like um, the Browns, the bigger question is, when will they win a game? <laughs> Tell me you guys the, saw those Bud Light over under. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see those, those that are locked up? <laughs> so Cleveland has uh, at 10 different Cleveland area bars, Bud Light has locked freezers stashed with Bud Light in the bars. The fridges become unlocked when the Browns win a game. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I Just think a better team than 0 and 16, that's for sure. I, yeah. I thought they were a better team than 0 and 16 last year, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is Cleveland. So I just saw something that actually kind of blew my mind. We were talking about Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, so I wanted to see where ESPN had them ranked among quarterbacks as far as when you're going to draft them. And I, I mean, Wentz and Watson, I would think you're probably looking third, fourth round range. They're not the top tier quarterbacks, but maybe later. I think third is when you're starting to get the top tier. Yeah, I, I think, think third people is like quarterbacks Rogers, in the first Brady, Brady and Rodgers, you're looking like second to third. If yeah. you're second to third, but like so, I think that second. puts Wentz and Watson at like the fifth, maybe. Like fifth, yeah, I think to it's fifth. closer to after Rodgers and Brady. I would wait like till the very earliest fifth round to take another quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Just the thing that blew my mind. So they've got Rodgers, Brady, Cam. Wentz, Russell Wilson, Watson for the top six. What blew my mind is they have Andrew Luck at seven. Dude, everybody's high on Andrew Luck. Why? Why? This guy hasn't played a game in two years. Because he is going to play a game. That's why everybody's high on him. Somebody touches his helmet, he's going to be done for another two years. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to get it. You know why it is? It's because they brought in Eric Ebron 
from Detroit. He's going to be this oh. uh, Andrew Luck's saving grace there, tight end. Game changer. Who else does he have? He's yeah, they shipped off. Um, there's the one wide receiver who left this uh, this offseason. I can't remember his name right now. They had Kamar Aiken, um, but Kamar Aiken, not anymore. Right. It's basically just it's T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron. Because Kamar Aiken that's looked pretty much great it. in the preseason game the other night. Speaking oh. of the Colts, Marlon Mack, Jason, where you got him ranked? I think he's – the Colts are an interesting – like I think last year it was such a weird – playing style that they kept going to Frank Gore, even though Frank Gore would get you like two to five yards of carry every single carry. Like nothing more, nothing less. Like he would fall forward and get that two yards or he would just be slow and, and get tripped up and get you five. Like he wouldn't get you anything more. But Marlon Mack averaged like really well and he did really well when he had to play a little bit more. And I just never understood why they didn't give him more carries. And so I thought coming into this offseason, like he was going to be the lead guy. Frank Gore's gone. But then they drafted Naheem Hines, and everyone is really high on Naheem Hines out of training camp over there. And then they have another running back. I'm trying to remember his name right now. Um, but it's kind of looking more like a committee than I think I thought last year. Like Marlon Mack looked really good last year, and he made the most of his opportunities whenever he did get him. He just didn't get enough. And I think this year is going to be the same kind of thing. And honestly, I think Naheem Hines out of uh, – my alma mater, NC State, might be a little bit of a sleeper pick towards the end of the draft now because he's looking in that kind of just kind of uh, do-everything running back who can run a little bit, who can catch out of the backfield, who can line up in the slot. He's really, really fast. He actually ran track at NC State and was a really, really good 100-yard dash guy. See, if you ask me, I stay away from every Indianapolis player. At yeah, least I'm, in not the draft. Gonna, I'm not going to draft anyone high, but I think if, like, if T.Y. Hilton is there in the sixth or fifth, I would take a look at him. Yeah. If Marlon Mack is there in, like, the twelfth, then I would take a look at him. But I'm definitely not going to reach on any one of these guys. ESPN has T.Y. Hilton at tenth, just, just so you guys know. Pass. <laughs> yeah, or I'm not going to. So gonna... if he's available in the fifth, there's no chance if you – if you have a couple idiots in your league that are just running down the list and be like, oh, yeah, he's next. Yeah, that's what I think will happen. Like, he's he's the name, and people will think, oh, well, Andrew Luck's coming back. That means T.Y. Hilton will be more valuable, so they'll pick him up earlier, and I'm just I'm not sold on that just yet. So here is a, a very big question that I think honestly pertains to everybody, and everybody wonders the same thing. How early is too early to reach for the Jaguars or Eagles defense? Oh, I'm not going to – I don't – I always My philosophy for is I don't take a defense until the 15th. Oh. I go But if you get a team that actually puts up points, like the Jaguars, the Eagles, and probably the Rams this year. See, my thing is the defenses, there's very few of them that I think you can start – Every single week of the season. Yeah, that's why I think so the streaming can... option is like I, you can have the Jaguars defense, and it was like I think that's going to be this year's version of the Seattle defense from a few years ago, where you can play them every week, and every week they'll get you like 12 points or something, which is good. But I think it's not unreasonable to do streaming options week to week and get similar production. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think it's similar to the quarterback situation where. If you don't get one of those top two or three, then just wait. Like till when Jason said in the late late rounds to get a defense. But if you can get one of those really good ones, 
like uh, Jaguars against the Patriots. Do you still start the Jaguars defense? I think so. I think that they're a good enough defense that even when they're playing against a good offense, you need to start them because they can get those interceptions. And yeah, sacks. but I mean, if you do count the points lost for yardage, I mean, I, I'm just using this as an example. Jags were number two, Eagles were number one. Or um, the other way around, Eagles were number two, Jags were number one as far as defense goes. Mm-hmm. Look at the Super Bowl. I mean, the Eagles won the game, and I love the fact that they won the game, but if you started them as a fantasy defense there, giving up 505 passing yards to Brady, along with, what, 33 points? You're gonna you're being the negatives. Mm. See, I, I, in terms of draftability, though, I still think that you can... It's, it's good to have a defense that you're not worried about week in and week out. So I, I agree I, with you. I won't wait. So how early way. is too early to reach? It brings us back to the how question. How early is too early? How early is too early? When, is, when can you start reaching for a, a quality defense? Double-digit rounds. Not quite at 10, but so, I'd say double-digit rounds. See, I would have said earlier. Earlier? I would have said 8. Halfway through the draft. See, I don't know. I want to fill out... you 8 to get the Jags defense this year? I, I think 8 is... The earliest you can reach for a quality defense. I, that's halfway through the draft. Yeah, but you need starters. You, at that point, at eighth round, you don't even have your entire starting roster filled out yet. Obviously, you're not kicker. No, but you have most of your position players. You have one position player in each position if your starting roster is filled out. You have... Well, you have to be strategic and think <laughs> about it at that point. But I don't but know. I would really, want to. I would I mean, want to establish my of, bench a little bit before I. Yeah, I just think if you think your defense can compete defense, with flex, then I mean, I, I just think of the opportunity cost of taking a defense that early. Like if you're looking at the eighth round and you're thinking, all right, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Like you're giving up Will Fuller. You're giving up Kelvin Benjamin, Devontae Parker, like Sony Michelle. Like you're giving up some of these guys who can be productive, like members of your rotation. And I, I don't think, think the, Will Fuller will be available in the eighth. Do you? He might be. I mean, you never know. I mean, well, what, well, that was just a random name. I mean, any of these like sleeper yeah. wide receivers or running backs or tight ends or whatever, like anything to fill out your roster and have someone with the potential to be a bust potent or a, a boom potential there, I think is a lot more valuable than. I mean, just my personal philosophy than taking a defense where yes, Jacksonville will be more valuable than streaming, but I think it's only marginal. Like, I think no, the, I, I agree the with bonus you, of having the Jacksonville, yeah, you have the stability, you don't have to worry about it, but I think you can you can get by on streaming and not suffer too much, whereas I That's think the it, positional value, you're suffering more. It's like you said, though, you have to look at, all right, so if I don't take this Jacksonville Jaguars defense, who else am I going to take with this pick? Yeah. Is this, like, my, my fifth uh, running back or wide receiver that I'm taking instead of a uh, top tier defense, so that, that's kind of like you said. You got to look at the opportunity cost and see what else you would be taking instead of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't I just think, think like the... a, a fourth position, a fourth player in the same position, is better than a defense who you could consistently start. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Well, but I also won't wait till the fifteenth round. <laughs> yeah, I'm not waiting till the fifteenth round. Fifteenth round give you... is. I'm going to give you a preview. This year, I'm not drafting a kicker. I'm just going to draft 15 positional players, one defense. Bold strategy. And I will pick up a kicker the day before the season starts. I always take a kicker in the 16th to close it out. 
unless yeah, just, there's like unless there's like one kicker I'd really want in the fifteenth, and then <laughs> I take him in the fifteenth. So random. Which one kicker like, would you want in the fifteenth? Gostowski. Gostowski. What? Yeah, I mean, true. come on. Yeah. Gostowski or or Tucker. What? You're not Tucker. taking your boy Elliot still up there? Where's, where's he listed? Tucker is. <laughs> Cody Third. Parkey? Where's Greg, Cody Parkey? Greg Zuerlein is Ooh, number like one. A well, he I don't think last year. Honestly, I don't think Tucker is in an offense good enough to really support him being a top option anymore. Like, honestly, the Ravens offense like, is not good. It's true. That's why. The Ravens offense isn't good, which is why Tucker's more val- valuable. They can't get to the red zone. Yeah, but they got to get a first down in order yeah, to they get, get a first. they got to get past midfield. <laughs> All right, which I don't think they can do on a consistent basis. <laughs> Even if they get the ball at the 30-yard line, all they have to do is... That's like three first downs. You're crazy. <laughs> they have to move the ball 50 yards. They can do it. 40 yards. Yeah, we'll see. 40 Ravens. yards, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just drafted uh, that tight end out of South Carolina, Hayden Hurst, uh, who should be somewhat of a boost. Um, mm. Speaking of him, I actually think he's fantasy draftable this year. The rookie tight end there for the the Ravens because I just I look I don't think they have really anything else they don't have any other tight ends they don't really have any wide receivers either like they just I don't see anything there. Well, the tight end is one of those positions where there is a lot of turnover from year to year. I yeah, mean, at least among the mid tier tight ends. So yeah, you got a lot of think... new faces every year. Are you talking yeah, about I mean, Hayden Hurst? Yeah, the the rookie uh, out of South Carolina. The side note, actually. He's like 28 years old because when he was in high school, he was a really, really high uh, baseball prospect. And he was drafted in like the first round by the Pirates, got to spring training, he was a pitcher, and just lost it. Like, didn't have any injuries, nothing happened to him. He just like, his head just, he couldn't handle something. I I don't know what it was. He just had the yips for like two years and just could Mm -hmm. not find a strike zone. He was constantly hitting guys. Even in bullpens, he was throwing the ball way over the catcher and everything. And eventually had to give up baseball after a few years because he just could not get it together and couldn't even get into games. Went back to school, like, and eventually realized his football dream. Went to South Carolina and just like walked onto the team, became a tight end, and ended up just being a stud. So I think he's he's playable right now just because he's so much older and he's mature and ready to go. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that. You're drafting him in the 16th round, hoping oh, that he becomes sure. relevant for a keeper league. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. I'm not drafting him early by any means. I'm not drafting him before the the 14th, and especially if I have another tight end, then I'm not taking him. But I think he if is draft fantasy draftable. You guys are forgetting about the absolute best late-round rookie tight end pick, Dallas Goddard. Oh, that's a, that's a sleeper there. Or, yeah. or Mike Gesicki. I think Mike Gesicki will do really well. I mean, he's in Miami. Miami. There's there's really no one here on this Miami offense either. Like they have Kenyon. Right, Drake. they got rid of Jarvis Landry and uh, wait, who's their is it? Tana? So basically, yeah, all, they have, <laughs> all they have is Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills. I was going to say they it. still have Kenny Stills. But, yeah, jeez, uh, oh, yeah, but he, the NFL might blackball him, so we'll see about that. <laughs> We're not getting into politics. We're not. <laughs> we're going to refrain from politics. But, I, yeah, I, I do agree, Matt. I think Gesicki could – I think he, he will produce a, a solid bit this year because Tannehill will have to spread it around. I mean, he's going to throw it however many times this year. Tannehill will Devontae try Parker, to spread it around. Yeah, he'll try. <laughs> That's the, the key word I feel there. Bad but I think Parker Tannehill. will get 100 targets. I think Kenny Stills will get like 80 targets. Uh, Kenyon Drake will get some out of the backfield. Frank Gore will get zero. And I think that leaves Mike Kosicki to get a solid amount. 
Yeah, that's one of those things where they might throw to him by default because they run out of people to throw it to. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I think Tannehill's a, he's a good quarterback, but he's just never been in a good situation. You know, no, I feel never bad had for like him. a great team around him. He reminds me of uh, that quarterback from Washington a couple years ago, Jason Campbell, where he was in Washington oh. for a little bit, and then he went to Tampa Bay, and then he went to the to the Browns for a little bit. But I, re- I was reading a stat about when he entered the league, each of his first like seven years, he had a different offensive coordinator, so he never had any sort of consistency. And I think Tannehill's had something similar, where he's never really had rapper with like any particular coach any coordinator like he's just been constantly underchanged and then he got injured and then he's had like his teammate situation is changing all the time with like guys mm-hmm. coming and going so he's just never had any consistency at all so i feel kind of bad for him yeah that's the miami dolphins for you though oh, they yeah. got a great owner steven ross just does a lot of great things but mm-hmm. i don't know man they can't field a good team yeah, I'm going to have to get up to a, a couple games up there. They're uh, on the north side of the city, and actually one of my really good friends here, her roommates work both work for the Dolphins, so I'm going to try and get some free tickets out of that and head up there and scout out Mike Kosicki uh, out of Penn State for a little bit. <laughs> you going to do some fantasy research in person? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Just I'll be sitting in the stands during pregame and be like, oh, Mike Kosicki's limping a little bit. i got to take him out of the lineup, you know? <laughs> Just make sure you set your roster. <laughs> that's true. I'll, I'll definitely make sure to do that this year. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, we've been at this for about an hour and six minutes. Yeah, we're we're moving on. We're moving mm-hmm. along. Well, I was gonna say, do we want to uh, push on or, or wrap today up? And well, then... I don't know. Do we have any other topics that we want to talk about today? Well, I figure we talk about the one uh, that you had written down next time because I, I I really did like the way that you put it. It's uh, take the top ten players in each position and pick which one's going to be a bust. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's I, a good uh, We could spend an entire show doing that, which is why I think we should do that next time. Like, mm-hmm. list the top ten in each position and call out which we think are going to be busts. Yeah. But, yeah, we can save that for next episode. I really like that topic, though. But. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. I think there's some good talking points about that, and I think that's one of those ones where we'll have some different opinions about them, too. Well, anyway, that let's, would be... Let's our... leave it up to the audience, too. If you guys have anything that you think we should talk about or you want us to talk about any questions for us we can answer yeah nick's personal phone number is yeah, <laughs> i'm just i'll just throw kidding. out my phone number by us for me whatever um, regardless yes yes please let us know if you have anything we want us to talk about and take the wonderlick test like we said earlier please take the wonderlick test let us know if you scored better than frank gore <laughs> We should really take the Wonderlick test and see if anybody listening does better than us. Jeez, oh, oh, I do God. want to take it. I have I've never taken it before and I've never seen it. Um, and All actually, right. before Hold- we go, I wanted to ask you guys your opinion on this. I heard it recently and I thought it was just fascinating. It's called a zombie draft in fantasy football. A zombie so, draft. Explain. So the theory is you have nine. You have ten teams, and one person doesn't draft anyone. Like, so the other nine teams draft all the people and they work in a snake order, but there are only nine teams in the draft. And the 10th owner has zero players. And so when the season started, when the draft is over, then he fills out his roster with 100% waiver pickups of people that weren't drafted. And so as the season goes on, week like whenever the zombie team beats an opponent, then they get to claim one player off of the team they beat's team. So like... Let's say I'm the zombie team and I beat a team that had Todd Gurley somehow. I could take Todd Gurley off that team and he's on my team now. 
and the season goes on as as that. Wow. I mean, that sounds that fun, but it sounds like a, a lot of investment for, like... The Zombie only needs a couple wins to really completely turn their team around. They do, yeah. They just need, like, a dud or, like, maybe catch a team with, like, their star player on a bye week and just, like, sneak out a win or something. Or, like, the first couple weeks in the season be high on the waiver order and get that inevitable, like, week two guy who just comes out of nowhere and just steals the whole season like Peyton Hillis did and, like, Arian Foster did and those kind of guys. So... I think all you need is a couple lucky breaks. You get a few wins, and you're starting to build out a pretty solid team. But you're starting out with no drafted players. It's all waiver pickups. Well, it's an interesting idea. Um, Jason, I can promise you I will never implement that in my league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I wasn't suggesting we implement it. just wanted to get your opinion on it because I thought it was just fascinating, and I want to try it at some point, but I just don't know how I would do that. Yeah. I think you just got to find an online league for that. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, we have an outro? Yeah, we do. We'll, we'll edit it in. <laughs> <laughs> let us know uh, Let us know how you did in the Wonderlick test and what, is, what you want us to talk about next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to picking our busts from the top ten players at each position. Uh, you guys get anything else? I don't think so. I think I'm all set. All right. For the uh, Fantasy Process Report, I'm Matt. This is Nick. I'm Jason. See you next time. Have a good one, guys. Go Birds. Nah. <laughs> <laughs>